treating your social media strategy as a healthy meal plan, tips on hosting great live streams on Facebook, growing through showing up daily, all of that and much more in this Music Growth Talks episode with Rick Barker, the former manager of Taylor Swift, as a guest of the show. You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here with the 92nd episode of the Music Growth Talks podcast. And this is my conversation with no one but Rick Barker. Rick is particularly well known as a former manager of Taylor Swift. He's also an advisor to the massive Big Machine Records and works with American Idols, their social media mentor. Rick spends a lot of time helping indie artists for as you are going to learn from this podcast. And um, speaking of which, I really like how he commented on the starving musician stack when we brought it up. He said that he works with consistent creators and not starving musicians. I'm with him in full on that one, so if you've been calling yourself a starving artist, I hope you will rethink that after listening to Rick. Here on this show we talked about uh, the right strategy and approach to social media marketing overall, but Rick shared a lot about live streaming in particular. He does live streams on Facebook a lot himself and encourages his artists to uh, do the same. And he's seen quite a few big success stories with artists building audiences and monetizing their audiences with the help of Facebook Live. Listen to this episode in full for all the details, tips and tricks and tools. As a reminder, if you want to access new episodes of the Music Growth Talks podcast before anyone else and access a number of other perks and rewards, consider becoming my patron at patreon.com forward slash Andrew Epinoff. Uh, you will get a lot for as low as $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy the interview with Rick Barker. Rick, welcome to Music Growth Talks. I'm excited to, to have this conversation with you. Let me know how are you doing. You know what? I'm excited too. We've had a chance to work with each other on a couple of projects, but we've never had a chance to just exactly. have a conversation. Exactly. You know, usually, yeah. usually we're solving other people's problems. Now we can just <laughs> talk. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Can agree more. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing what you've got to share, uh, with our listeners. I'm pretty confident they will appreciate the insights that uh, you've got. And, uh, before, before we get there, um, some of our podcast listeners and subscribers may still not be too familiar with your work, so do you mind a little bit of um, an introduction and uh, some things on your background? Sure. So I've been blessed to have been in the music business now for a little over 25 years. Radio is my background. I did every English-speaking format, including sports talk, but uh, really in 2001, made a change and was asked to develop a country radio station right above Santa Barbara, California. And it was a time when in the United States, we were in a different place. The, uh, the bombings had just happened September 11th, 2001. I started this radio station in October of 2001. And it allowed me to really fall in love with the music, fall in love with the songwriting. And I was able then to start developing relationships with artists started asking a lot of questions, started finding out things that were frustrating to them, things that were frustrating to the record labels, created 
my first business out of that called Nashville to You, which was basically a touring model which got artists paid on a radio tour, which hadn't happened up to that point. Uh, was blessed to be able to help launch the careers of Sugarland, a little big town, and things like that. Got the attention of Scott Borchetta at Big Machine Radio, Big Machine Records, excuse me. He brought me in uh, as a West Coast regional promoter. My goal, my job basically, is I had nine stations or nine states, uh, 70 radio stations that I was responsible for getting the music played. On that label at the time was a Texas artist by the name of Jack Ingram, an artist who had had a failed career previously. Her name was Danielle Peck, and a 15-year-old named Taylor Swift that no one had heard of at the time. He ended up sending Taylor to me to teach a radio. We spent 30 days together that changed both of our lives. Six months later, I was asked to be her manager and was with her until 2008, started consulting uh, Sony Records, Big Machine Records, and other independent artists at that time. It was in 2000 and right around 12, going into 13, that I decided that I could help more people throughout the world by taking my knowledge and experience and putting it online. That's when I launched the Music Industry Blueprint. Now have over 700 clients in 16 countries and 10 different genres of music, went on to create some programs that have helped independent artists basically understand the new lay of the land. A lot of what you guys do there, Andrew, I started getting very actively involved in the social media side of things and teaching that, and basically just went out and said, hey, what products are out there? What tools are out there that I can teach the artists how to become their own record companies? You know, Unfortunately, there's not enough room for everyone, so I went in and I got really good at it. I learned how to teach. I invested a lot in myself, learning how to be a better speaker on video, learning how to share through stories, and just basically for the last few years have been solving problems and it's worked out quite well. Awesome. Mind-blowing. I mean, your 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 background is very impressive and uh, it's so great that you went back to helping independent musicians and not just working with uh, bigger projects, uh, which is uh, quite common. There is lots of amazing uh, people in the industry who are just not accessible to indies out there. So that's quite awesome. And I imagine you have been enjoying working with new up-and-coming artists yourself? I do. I do. It's it's funny because I still manage. I still consult major labels. I still manage a major label artist. I was involved with the American Idol television show for the last two years. But it's important that we understand that the same tools that are available for major label artists are also available for independent artists. The key is shifting the mindset. You know, a lot of times people think that well, I have to have these big companies in order for me to be successful. And that's just not true anymore. You know, the tools that are available are allowing people like Chance the Rapper to go out and release his music independently, still make a great living and go on to win a Grammy. I think that's important for people to understand is that, you know, the only thing that a major label has possibly more than the independent artists are relationships. But if you are a major label and you have artists whose music doesn't connect, it doesn't matter how great your relationships are. Those artists will not have success. I always tell people, you'll listen to me because of Taylor Swift and because of you know the major labels that I consult. But ultimately, you need to know what I can do for you. And I get as much pride helping an independent artist with no manager, no booking agent, no label. Consistently, you know, they make $180,000 a year. That's fantastic. That's what I get excited about because there's more people out there that want to hear your music. You just got to go out and get it to them. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great, yeah, and uh, just uh, maybe wrapping up the topic, I I, I was watching that um, uh, Facebook Live video of yours the other day and like how you put it uh, that you're uh, the only one of, yep, I think you mentioned that you're the only, which I'm pretty confident is true, uh, a social media consultant in the music industry who has verified on the three major social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, which is quite plausible. So do implement the knowledge that you teach to others yourself quite actively based on what I see. You know, I have to, or I'm a hypocrite. You know, it's like, if I'm going to tell somebody they need to tweet this many times, I better be tweeting this many times. What I, what I found frustrating in the independent music space was I felt that there were a lot of people who were teaching that had zero experience doing it either themselves or for someone else. And all I could do is not focus on them, but focus on me to say, look, if I'm going to share with you what it is you need to be doing, I better be doing it and my clients better be doing it. I'm not a fan of those people that will, you know, read a book and then write a book about the book they read or someone who will purchase my programs and then go teach proven strategies that weren't their own strategies. They were mine, which was happening quite often. But I always look at it this way. Artists need to do their own research. You know, you need to surround yourself with people who I don't necessarily think that everyone has to have managed a major label artist or work for record companies in order for them to be successful to teach. But they better be doing it themselves and they better understand thoroughly what it is that they're teaching. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, some something related since it just popped up in my head. So uh, something that I've been trying to pay attention more lately working with new artists is the different personalities that I see among creatives. And uh, I didn't pay too much attention to this originally. Maybe we shouldn't be in a way uh, worry, be worried about that. But have you seen how different artists have different perceptions of different platforms and different mediums and how uh, some kind of adjustments may be required to their posting schedules or the types of content they share on social media and so forth. Do you have uh, pretty much the same set of recommendations for all artists? And if it's more difficult for one, they just have to go through it and learn to do it the way uh, you've seen it. it's been working? Or uh, do you do uh, adjust these plans for musicians you work with anyhow? Well, I don't think there's any one model that works for everyone because everyone's music is different. Everyone's audience is different. People need to really focus in on the analytics and the insights. You know, Facebook will tell you what the best times are to post. Now, they're not going to necessarily tell you what to post. I created a program that did that. But the way that I like to treat social media I call it, Andrew, I say, treat it like your meal plan. Give your fans something for breakfast, something for lunch, and something for dinner. And where you would go in and snack, go in and comment and retweet and reply at that point. The way I like to look at things, too, is when someone's first getting up in the morning, I'm not going to go in and try to sell them something. Usually, for me, I like to do motivational quotes at that point or something to kind of give them a little bit of energy to get their day started. In the middle of the day, they're starting to drag a little bit. That's where I may go find a funny video or something that's trending online that everyone's talking about. And then in the afternoon is when I usually will give them something where I'll teach them. Or if you're an artist where you can share one of your videos with them or something like that, I try to really go to where I feel my audience is and make sure that I'm speaking their language. I 
highly recommend do not promote on every post. Do not try to sell on every post. The way I teach the artists that I work with is I say, go get involved in as many conversations as you can and lower that guard, lower the barrier, let them start conversing with people. That's what social media was designed was for friends to stay in communication with each other. Go out and become their friends. A lot of times an artist will post one time on a platform and think, well, I'm good. I posted today. It's so noisy out there. Gary Vaynerchuk says it the best. He says, we're day trading attention. I may have to tweet 40 times so that you see it three times. You know, just because I tweet doesn't mean someone saw it. Just because I post doesn't mean someone saw it. So I have to consistently put a message out there hoping to get someone's attention. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, this is what I see in, in what you've been sharing. And that's really cool, by the way, about Gary Vee. Uh, and so uh, I think you've been uh, quoting him a few times. He's amazing. So lots of inspiration uh, from his work. So that's one of the people who I think all musicians should be checking out. Maybe later on the show, I will ask you for some other recommendations, if you sure. don't mind. So my, the, this was also my question earlier. I guess I just didn't put it uh properly like some artists and even i just remembered about jack conti who, who we had on the podcast as well uh from pamplamos and the founder of, of uh, yeah he's amazing we didn't cover that on the uh on the podcast episode but i uh saw him uh commenting it else on it elsewhere that he prefers to share just the big news so uh if it's something that happens once a month uh, it will be one facebook post per month or per week so he prefers to keep it limited and it seems to work well for him based on the amount of engagement he he's getting on his Facebook page. At the same time, he's got some massive following, so it may not right. be exactly what... Yeah, you're uh, exactly correct. When you're a superstar or you have a huge following, you can do things different, but the only way to grow your numbers is to consistently show up every day. I don't know anyone who doesn't already have a following who can post once a month or every other week and grow an audience. You also have to sometimes sit down and de design and determine what your strategy is going to be. There are some months where I'm in the information mode. There are some months where I'm in the growth mode. Right now, my consistency is in growth. I want to consistently grow my following. The only way to be able to do that is to post consistently every day and post you know, content that people will share. The only way that I can go outside of my circle is if you share me out into your circle. And if I'm just constantly sharing my big news, but your fan base doesn't know who I am yet, then it's irrelevant to them because it's not big news to them because they don't know who Rick is. But if I share a quote that inspires someone and they share that quote with their friends, then the next and then they decide to follow me. Now I'm in their world. So we really have to make sure that we're sharing content that is shareable. And I think if I'm just advertising a show or, you know, advertising one of my products, that's not something that people are going to say, oh, crap, I really have to share this with my friends. Yeah. But if I share a quote that moves them or a song that moves them or a lyric image that moves them and they share it with their friends, then their friends now have a chance to come into my world. Yeah. 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 So can you give us a couple examples for musicians of these kind of content that's shareable and that's not necessarily promotional? Yeah. So let's say that, you know, you just heard a song from another artist that absolutely blew your mind or changed your world, made you think in a certain way. 
most people will just retweet that. What I would do is I would quote tweet it and I would say why I'm wanting them to hear this song. Heard this song today, made me think of my mom who I lost last year to cancer, whatever the case may be. Then when they share that and people read what I wrote, now they're going to go, okay, let me see why this moved, Rick. Instead of me just randomly retweeting a song and not saying anything about it, what I tell the artists that I work with is if you're sharing something with me, tell me why you're sharing it with me. If you're saying this song moved you, tell me why it moved you. If this video made you laugh hysterically, put in a quick little line or an emoji that tells me why it made you laugh hysterically, which will then make me want to watch it. If you just wrote a song and the feedback you're getting has been very positive, write that. The feedback to this song is a, has been so positive, didn't realize it would change this many lives and then leave a link to the song. Now the curiosity factor steps in. Now someone's going to say, okay, what's in that song that really affected Rick so much? Because if they follow me and they trust me, when I tell them things like that, they're going to want to see what it is that moved me. So that can help get your music heard. Or if you've taken a picture of a beautiful place, just don't write my happy place. Tell me why it's your happy place. Tell me why you're eating that food or tell just tell me why I should take the time to explore more. And most artists just post a picture or they'll share something from Instagram without prefacing anything. You really need to lead your audience down the path that you want them to go down. Yeah, the context is extremely important here. Another advantage to what you mentioned about uh, quoting tweets in, instead of just retweeting is that you establish a relationship to to the artist whose song you just tweeted, for example. Correct. So it's really cool on Twitter. Tweet is very powerful for uh, networking in, in the music industry still. So uh, that's a tip alone is great. Uh, so just to somewhat recap in, in my own words, just so uh, to be sure that I uh, got your points right. Uh, so for those artists who may be looking into some A-list uh, uh, bands and musicians out there and looking into their schedule. So first of all, remember that you are not at the same stage uh, of your career as they are. So you need to to uh, follow some different rules uh, while you're growing and um, just getting used to sharing a lot of contents that people, fans, listeners will want to share and uh, treating it like a healthy meal plan uh, right. with uh, free uh, posts per, per day roughly, obviously. I like that. So it's a very easy way to uh, remember that. Maybe tricky for someone who has just one meal per day or five or seven <laughs> meals per day, but then take care of your diet as well after all, right? That's right. Yeah, anyway, health in the music industry is another big topic which we should cover on this podcast sometime in the future. Um, anyway, so so overall, you recommend artists listening to us right now being as active as possible on social media. Well, look at it this way. Every day, if you're an artist or you're a creator, you should be waking up going, how can I get my product in front of as many people as possible today? You can't wait for them to come to you. One of my mentors told me, he says, Rick, if you have a message that will change people's lives, it's your responsibility to find them, not their responsibility to find you. And as we've learned, Andrew, there's no shortage of music on the internet right now. So what's going to make yours stick out? What's going to make you stick out? A lot of it is I tell the artists that I work with, go find a hungry audience and feed them. 
you know, go get involved in as many conversations as you can. And when it's appropriate, bring up the fact that you're an artist. Just don't jump in and go, hey, I'm an artist. Here's my song. Please follow me on Instagram and share it with all your friends. Be like, wait a minute. I don't know you yet. Yeah. You know, we'll go in. And if you see somebody wrote a quote about something, say, you know what? That's such an amazing quote. I think it's just inspired me to go write a song. And then yeah. let somebody come back and go, oh, wait, you're a songwriter. I would love to hear your stuff. Now you share your stuff with them, but don't jump in the conversation right away and try to dump all your stuff on some. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great advice. Excellent. Uh, so uh, one thing that was about to ask you, looking into what you've been doing on your profiles lately and apparently for you musicians as well, it's related to, to live streams. So a topic that we've been covering uh, on the show and on in, to, to our artists for many, many years, and now it's... Uh, hotter than ever before with uh, things like Instagram Live and Facebook Live. So how's it been working for you so far? It's been working fantastic. I just recently created a program with an independent artist by the name of Don Byer. Don did over $74,000 last year utilizing Facebook Live. She used it in order to oh. get tips from her fans, to sell t-shirts, to sell merchandise, to book house concerts. It's just absolutely amazing. It gives you a chance to perform in front of a live audience every single day. I think that with Facebook, it's easier to do your original material because these people have already said that they liked you. Also, too, it's safer that way. Some publishers are removing cover songs that you don't own the publishing to, like Universal's big on that right now, which is okay because what they're doing is protecting the intellectual property of the owner and At some point, you want someone to protect you, but it used to be that YouTube was the only place to do video. That's not the case anymore. Like you mentioned, you can do it on Twitter, you can do it on Instagram, you can do it on Facebook. So I'm big on live streaming. I'm big on entertaining your audience. I think it's a great way for artists to better their chops, to become better performers, to become better communicators, and to you know create better conversations with their fans by utilizing Facebook Live. I am a huge, huge fan of streaming. I mean, streaming for me has even allowed me to grow my business. You know, whether I'm doing one of my live on the drives or Ask Rick, you know, I'm able to go on and let people from all over the world ask me questions about the music business and I'm able to serve them and bring them into my world. And then I can say, hey, if you want more, here's a link to a video series I did or here's a link to get a free copy of my book or here's a link to a live event that I'll be hosting. There's so many different things that you can do with streaming. I absolutely love it. Awesome. Awesome. So, Rick, I'm glad to hear that. I may have uh, a few questions to you right now that uh, have been coming from my artists mainly. So, uh, the number one question I would say for artists who I know who are new to uh, to streaming and finally after me convincing them to try it out, they've been uh, giving it a shot. And uh, some uh, musicians notice that uh, it's been performing well. As we all understand, we, knowing how Edgerod algorithm works and so on, that uh, live streams hosted on the personal account of an artist uh, uh, brings in more views than a stream hosted on, on a page, on the artist page, which is we don't need to go into details explaining why it works like that. So in your opinion, is it uh, worth this uh, short-term advantage of having more listeners if you host something on a personal account or you recommend building it up, building an audience for your live streams on, on a page right away? 
I think that you need to really focus your attention on the page because that's where you get your insights. That's where you're able to boost your posts. That's where you're able to find out who these listeners are and where they're listening from. Unfortunately, we don't get those same analytics off of a personal page. So what I've encouraged artists to do is maybe to do a Facebook Live on their personal page, inviting people over to their band page with a link to say, Hey guys, it's Andrew. I'm so excited tonight. We're going to be playing five brand new songs over on my band page. I would love for you to join me. Here's a link and you give them a link and invite them over. So use the Facebook live on your personal driving them to your band page. Also realize, and this is something that a lot of people will get frustrated about is that most people won't be there live. You're going to get more views on the replay. You know, I have 20 something thousand people who like my public figure page and I'll do a Facebook live. And if I'm lucky, I'm getting between 30 to 40 on a good night, I'll get to 80. But when it's all said and done, I'll get 5,000 views or 10,000 views. Right. Those people are going to come in and watch it when it's convenient to them. Unless you're giving out lotto numbers or a secret that if they don't hear it live, they may look at it and say, you know what, I'm going to come back and watch that later. So you must treat it like they're always there. One of the biggest mistakes an artist makes is they'll, they'll start their Facebook Live and they'll go, okay, I'm going to wait till some people get on here. Right. Well, yeah. the replay, they're already there. So yeah. if you don't capture their attention in the first 10, you know, 15, 20 seconds, you're going to lose them anyway. So you need to start that thing like people are already there. Excellent, excellent advice. Another thing that frustrates me is when uh, I see notification about a live stream of uh, an artist I'm, I'm following and then I'm there 10 minutes after the I got notification and it's and it's already. So uh, hosting a three minutes live stream is not a good idea in my opinion. So any recommendation overall on, on the duration of live stream? Yeah, I think right now if you can keep it 15 to 20 to 30 minutes, it just really depends on you especially if you're going to start asking people to donate. Because if somebody comes in and you're asking them to donate, you only play one song. That's not good. You know, it's like give them something that, you know, give them a show, you know, play a song, talk a little bit, play a song, talk a little bit, you know, three, four, five songs. But you really need to give them something. The only time that I'll do a Facebook Live that's just a couple minutes long I did this as an experiment. So what I did was, is we posted an image of my book and said, you know, go here for a free book. And I think I got like three signups. Well, then I sat there in front of my computer, held up that book and did about 90 seconds of telling people what's in the book and that it was my gift to them. And I ended up getting 25 signups. So hmm. if you're going to teach, make it longer. If you're going to share new music, 15, 20 minutes. What you don't want and we don't see as good a results is if you go and set up the camera at your show and just go live and the camera's way away and the band's yeah. way away. Live streams are personal when you're able to tell, you know, hey, Andrew's here. You know, Chris is here. What's up, James? How you doing, Molly? You know, when you're able to really interact, we found that those are the most successful lives versus just setting it up at your show. If you're going to set it up at your show, say something like, Hey guys, just wanted to bring you, you know, to Wisconsin tonight. We're doing a show at so and so, and we're going to let you hear a couple songs. Can't wait to get on later and talk to you about the show and see how your day was. You know, that's when you'll do something 
four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, just kind of give them a, a teaser of that. But if you're going to try to create some engagement, the engagement is created when you're closer to the camera, when you're communicating with them, when you're sharing your music versus when you're doing a live stream of a full concert. Absolutely agree on this one, yeah. And interacting with fans also has an advantage of showing other fans uh, how you are doing that. So even only, yep. if only five people were on the actual live stream, but uh, you were actively communicating with them, then the others who will watch the replay will appreciate the fact that you are so engaged and maybe more inclined to watch it live the next time. A quick question to you. Do you have a preference or recommendation for artists in terms of what device to use? Uh, have you seen uh, some better live streams coming from just the sure. phone? Yeah, so I have an iPhone 7, which does really well. I also have the Mevo camera, which does really well, which is also that will let you stream live to Facebook. It now has added Periscope to it as well or to live stream. I also uh, utilize my computer now that we're given the opportunity to stream right from the computer. If I'm sitting down chatting with people or stuff, you could, if you use the Chrome browser, you're now allowed to stream from your computer. There's another app that I really like called Ecamm, E-C-A-M-M Live, which allows you to drop in videos. It allows you to drop in images. I did an example with one where I had an artist during the live stream popping up images of some new t-shirts that they had just made. And we were able to put the link for them to go to to purchase these t-shirts. Also, too, is Facebook is now allowing you to drop in other live videos. So let's say that you wanted to do a Facebook Live about the new video that you just released. You could go on and start the conversation with having a conversation with them telling them about where you shot the video, the name of the song, the meaning behind the song. Then you could drag that video right in and let it play during this live session. Some of that stuff has just gone off the charts now, you know, being able to post live videos or recorded videos inside of a Facebook Live yeah, and getting credit for it being live. It's almost like having your own television show yeah. at that point. You can drop to images, you can drop to interviews, you can drop to another video. I actually did a PowerPoint the other day. I did a presentation in Canada for Canadian Music Week called Quit Bitchin' and Do Something About It. And I ended up doing that whole presentation while showing my PowerPoint inside of a Facebook Live two weeks after the event had already taken place. So I was able to recycle that material and give other people a chance to engage and be involved with it. Yeah, that's really powerful. Uh, so to anyone listening to us, I'm linking to the tools that you recommended in the show notes. So to the eCam, but can you uh, spell out the name of the camera you got that allows to stream? Mevo, it's M-E-V-O. Excellent. Yeah, thank you for that one. Yeah, and what's so... neat about the Mevo, Andrew, is that it's controlled by your phone. So you can set the camera on a mic stand and yeah. you can zoom over and Watch the bass player if he's doing a lead and then slide your fingers across your iPhone and go to the drummer and then back to the lead singer. It's unbelievable what this camera is able to do. I, and it's I, need, to, I need to check it out. I, I uh, honestly, yeah, haven't uh, seen the features of the camera. So it sounds really cool. Yeah, I mean, that that's really powerful that there is a hardware that we can use, uh, I mean, starting with just our phones, uh, so that's, uh, that's already enough to, uh, to get started. I remember 
explaining to musicians how to host live streams uh, five or seven years ago. It was quite a painful process. Uh, lots of the times there were some platforms which just didn't work well. And so technically it was frustrating. Now with uh, a company like Facebook behind the behind it, it just makes it so easy. We don't even realize how much technology and real sophisticated stuff goes behind it. But anyway, it's great for us, right? So we can just use the technology already. And the new features they add in are really powerful, like what you mentioned, being able to also add some some videos to the streams. So yeah, really cool with the idea with uh, accepting donations as well. I guess it uh, works. It should work equally well with direct sales. If you've got uh, an online store, donation, people yeah. running Patreon communities as well. So any any general recommendations on that? How to increase sales? Have you seen that particular fee yeah, request? You know, maybe you know. Yeah. If- People, you know, if you go to my website, rickbarker.com and down there in the programs offer, go to the Facebook live program. There's an hour interview I did with Dawn, the young lady who did this. And what she did was she created what was called the virtual tip jar. Mm -hmm. And she utilized a PayPal account to do that. And she just would say things like, hey, if you want to keep me going live, throw a little love in the bucket. You know, she didn't go on there and call herself a starving musician or any of that stuff, which I am not a fan of that term at all, because I would rather you just say you're lazy because <laughs> no starving. Yeah. Uh, there's ways to make money. There's ways to not be starving, but I think that's a bad tag that a right. lot of musicians do. I don't support starving musicians. I support consistent creators. You know, I'm going to always look for those people that I feel bring value to me. So if you're starving, it means you're not bringing value to people. You need to step back and see what you're doing wrong. So that's a whole other topic. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, you know, when you have the opportunity, if you're, if you're going to offer people to buy your record from your Facebook Live, tell them about the record. Tell them what went into it. Tell them about the songs. Tell them about the inspirations. Let them feel as connected to that as they possibly can and then say, hey, if you'd love to check it out, there's a link in the in the comments. There's a link in the description. Just don't go on and say, hey, I'm Rick and I've got a CD for sale. You should buy it. No, why should I buy it? Why should I support you? Why the why? Answer the why questions. You know, why did you record the record? Why did you choose those songs? Why did you use that image for the cover? Why did you know tell them the story behind it? Let them feel a part of it and then make them an offer. Yeah, people may remember these stories better than the actual records and songs on the album. It's, Correct. It's ju- just it's crucial uh, for building a long-term relationship with with fans as well. So great advice here. Excellent. So I guess we just want to recommend all our listeners right now to ju- to just go out there and uh, try some live streaming. Uh, so for those who don't have a big following on their Facebook pages just yet and who may be frustrated with not seeing too many views on their live stream. So do you have um, just, uh, you know, something to encourage them to keep trying uh, just the recommendation tip or maybe uh, you've seen that after a particular amount of streams, uh, there is usually tipping points of sorts. Yeah, I think what has to happen is it's like me wanting to, you know, wear a 
a swimsuit before I've gone and made sure that my body's in a position to be able to wear a swimsuit. You know, just because Facebook Live is available doesn't mean everyone's ready for it yet. If you don't have an audience, your number one goal should be to build an audience. If you don't have enough songs to do a Facebook Live of original material, your goal should be to get enough original music to be able to do a Facebook Live. So a lot of times I see artists trying to put the cart before the horse. You know, mm -hmm. I'll see it's like you you need to make sure you have all the tools in place before you go use this very valuable tool that's available for you. So first things first is in order to build an audience, you're going to need original music, you know, so or because on Facebook, you can't do cover songs. If you only have cover songs, then go build your YouTube audience. When you have original music, then you can start building your Facebook audience. You know, just make sure you have all the tools in place first. There are no shortcuts. There is no quick fix there. If it, if it were that easy, everyone would be doing it. You know, if people aren't relating to your music, your music's probably not that good yet. So get better at your music. Just because you sing and write songs doesn't mean people are going to be able to relate to it. So make sure that you're creating stuff that people can relate to. You don't need everyone. You just need to start with a small group of people that love your stuff and then encourage them to share your stuff. Reward them for sharing your stuff. There's so many ways to go out and get 10, 15, 20 people. Make those folks, you know, your band leaders, and then they'll go out and get 20 more, and then they'll go out and get 20 more. But no one ever just woke up one morning and had a huge following. It hasn't happened. You know, you have to build it. All these artists that you see having great success, you know, you mentioned Jack, those they worked. They work their tails off. They consistently put stuff out there every day when they only had 10 people. And then that turned into 100 people. And they consistently put it out and it turned into 1,000 people. And they put out more stuff and it turned into 10,000 people. You have to put in the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm so grateful that you mentioned the importance of uh, working on the art on the songs as well, because... It's possible to find the audience for your music for sure, but uh, you just won't be able to do that if your music sucks. You can't clearly. sustain. I mean, yeah. I can go on and, and sing, and I'm not a good singer, but you know what? There's four or five people that will think that I'm the best singer ever. I can't build a business off those four or five people. At some point, the reality is going to step in that shit, Rick really can't sing. You know, <laughs> he's really not that good of a songwriter. So we're always going to find a couple people that tell us that they like us just because those people are always out there. Find the true fans, encourage them to go help you build your fan base. But, you know, if it's not working, take a look at you. It's not Facebook. It's not Twitter's fault. It's not Instagram's fault. It's probably your fault. Awesome. Rick, where can we find you online for those who want to learn more? Because, I mean, you've shared so many things, but uh, there is a lot more to it. And maybe you mentioned some of the uh, free and paid resources that you've got as well. Yeah, I'm not interested in pitching the paid ones right now. What I'll do is I'll, if you go to my website, rickbarker.com, first thing you're going to do is be able to grab a free copy of a book if you want it. There's a free video series. And then if you, you watch those free things and you see that, you know, you dig what it is that I'm saying and you want to learn more, there's ways to find out about my other programs. There's always free training. Whenever you go into any of my programs, it always starts with free training. So go check it out. See if I'm the right guy for you. If I'm not, no harm, no foul. If I am, I'd love to invite you into my world. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate what you've shared. 
a lot of Facebook Live uh, insights in particular. I'm going to try some of those out in the very near future. Like this week, I feel like I, I need to be doing more of this stuff with our artists after listening to you. So uh, thank you a lot. I hope that I'll have you again sometime uh, in, in the future on this show because uh, I feel we have uh, quite a few more topics to cover. Absolutely. Thank you. You heard it, folks. Rick knows his stuff really well, so if you want to find out more, go to his website at rickbarker.com and also head over to dotedmusic.com or musicgrovetalks.com for the show notes to this very episode. As a reminder, this is episode number 92. Hope you like the show. Let me know in the comments on SoundCloud, on iTunes as a review or on Patreon, where you access new episodes before anyone else if you become my patron. Uh, as a reminder, the URL is patreon.com forward slash Andrew Apanoff. Thank you a lot and see you next time. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanoff. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.